You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell him, Nate. Wings! Legendary flavors! World championship wings! Woo! Woo wings! Yeah! Woo woo! Hey guys, listen up. I know these days when you watch the news, it feels like it's one hit after another and it's all bad news for the economy. Well, let me give you some good news. It's not all that bad when it comes to real estate. Let me explain. You see a year ago, man, real estate was hot, hot, hot. Everybody and their brother was trying to go out and buy another house. What did that mean? It was so competitive that a lot of folks got discouraged. So let me ask you, have you thought about buying a house in the last couple of years, but Maybe just couldn't win a bid. I used to hear that all the time. Well, now is the time to buy. Yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but what that's created is an opportunity for you. A year ago, it wasn't uncommon for there to be more than a dozen offers on a home, many of which were over list. That is not the case today. So if you got discouraged once before about trying to buy a new house, now's the time to take another look. Now, yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but you're not going to overpay for the home, but here's what you will do. You'll stop throwing your money away on rent and now you'll get a greater tax deduction. That's right. You see, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that shows how much interest you paid and you get to write all of that interest off. That means you could get a huge tax deduction. You never get that as a renter. Not only that, homes are still going up in value. Don't believe the hype. All of the economists believe long-term real estate always works out. Let me give you an example. Maybe way back when, in the housing collapse of 2008, you bought in 2007 and maybe overpaid. Buddy, if you hung in there, that house is worth a whole heck of a lot more now. If you played in the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. You only lose money when you throw in the towel. Real estate long-term always performs well. So here's my advice to you. Date the rate, marry the house. Find the house that you and your family love long-term, because here's what's not long-term these higher rates. I've yet to see a single economist who doesn't agree with me that rates are going to return. So doesn't it make sense to get the house you want right now? And then when rates improve, man, just get a lower monthly payment. In the meantime, you'll enjoy a greater tax deduction and that property is going to continue to appreciate, meaning you're building equity and wealth for yourself. Not only that, how about this? We're going to save you some cash at buywithconrad.com. We're going to give you the peace of mind of a seven-year guarantee. When rates improve over the next seven years, not if, but when, that's my prediction, we'll refinance you again with no new origination points. Think about that. That could save you thousands of dollars and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you got the right house for your family right now. And then when the rates improve, man, get a lower monthly payment. Now, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. 
but you do need to hurry to buywithconrad.com. That's the first step. You tell us how much you want to put down and what you want your monthly payment to be. We get you approved and then you go shopping just like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you've thought about buying a house over the last couple of years, but you got discouraged, now's the time to take another look. Let me run the numbers for you right now. You'll be glad you did at buywithconrad.com. Broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code ARN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. Hello and welcome to ARN. This is Paul Bromwell, and today I'm joined by the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spinebuster, our favorite TV champion, and the man who plugs Blue Chew better than he dished out Spinebusters. He's the enforcer. He's double A. He's ARN Anderson. ARN, how are you this week? I'm great, bud. Football season, it's fall weather, football weather. Love it. This is, uh, man, my one of my. It is my favorite time of the year. You're, we're getting into the fall season. Uh, the candy Halloween is is just days away, and uh, then as soon as we scoot through Halloween, we get closer to my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, where you sit around with the family, you enjoy that big turkey. Are you a mashed potato and? Dressing? Do you call it dressing or stuffing? What do you call it, Arn? Dressing. Chiblet, okay. chiblet gravy, dark meat. Mm. Uh, Aaron makes stuffed mushrooms, potato salad. Uh, of course, we always have a big ham. I mean, it is a it is a, a feast. Spread. It wow. is a feast, my friend. Green bean casserole. I'm not talking about just dump them out of a can. No. Talking casserole. Yes. Her mom was a hell of a cook, and, and Aaron has picked it up, and she's a hell of a cook. And obviously, by looking at me, you can tell <laughs> I eat. You're a hell, hell of an eater. <laughs> yeah. Hell of an eater. <laughs> All right, I'll be down. Let me know what time. You can just put, make me a plate leftovers, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate. I'm, I'm kidding. But, man, it sounds amazing. How about pies? Will you have pumpkin? Will you have apple? I mean, we have dessert. She'll have some of that stuff, yeah. We, okay. Uh, she has what we call a no-bake cookie, if you know what that is. Tell me more chocolate oatmeal and it's like it's like an oatmeal cookie but it, you don't bake it you mix it up and it just uh it's incredible lemon bars oh my god i mean just all kind of good stuff 
Well, Arn, this is, uh, I, I'm in the mood. I know we're just a few weeks away from Thanksgiving and we have a couple more shows, so we're going to have a little bit more fun with this, but it is a fantastic time of the year. Not only is it Thanksgiving season, but that also for the wrestling fan means it's WrestleCade season. And we talked a little bit about it last week, but you and Brock are going to make your appearance there at the Benton Convention Center. Guys, if you haven't ever attended WrestleCade, this is the event for you. It's the 10-year anniversary. There's going to be a meet and greet for Brock and Arn Saturday, November 26th from 10 to 3. And uh, not only will you get to meet them, but you'll get to meet a lot of other wrestlers there as well. And then on Sunday the 27th, you are managing Brock and Jay Lethal as well as a mystery uh, partner against FTR and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at the Big Time Wrestling Show at the Dorton Arena in Raleigh. Arn, I know you and Brock have got to be excited about that one. Well, you look at it on the surface and you just go, boys, you are outclassed. You have, these guys have more experience. FTR is on top of their game. Brock is a rookie. He's still learning. But maybe with that third uh, opponent that we haven't decided on who our partner is going to be, that may be just a little bit of an edge that we need. And just, you know, just to be honest with you, win, lose, or draw, to be anywhere where Ricky Steamboat is wearing a pair of boots and a pair of tights mm. and doing his thing is an honor and a privilege. And I know FTR feels that way. I know that I feel that way. Brock feels that way. It's just a great opportunity for the wrestling fans to see Ricky one more time. You know, he may wrestle again after this, but uh, for sure, he's excited about it being Raleigh and following WrestleCon is just, it's going to be an awesome weekend. Man, it sounds like it. They're going to have meet and greets available at the big event, too. So check it out. And I mentioned last week you're going to get your Rock and Roll Express there, the Briscoe Brothers. Uh, so much on that card. So check it out. But, buddy, I, I want to talk about something else I'm excited about. And that is, this is the first time in a long while that we are going to do Ask Arn Anything. And, buddy, I mean anything. Are you ready for what some of the questions that our uh, our fans, our listeners have come up with for you this week? I hope so. <laughs> well, you have no choice because you got to be ready because they've come up with some good ones. And we're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, so here we go. And uh, if you didn't put a question in, make sure you keep an eye out on our social media. And we'll make sure that we get your question as we continue to go. We're going to try to do more of these Ask Arns a little bit more often than we were in the past. And we want your questions for the walk through his career shows as we go month by month. We want more fan interaction as we continue to grow the show. Uh, so keep an eye out on those. Uh, we want to encourage fan and listener participation. And we're going to lead off the show with the first lady of the Arn Anderson fan club. That's right. Miss Amy Vaughn. And as you might expect, Arn, Amy has several questions for you in this segment of the show that I'm now calling Amy Ass Arn Everything. So here we go. She says, what is the biggest thing you miss about performing in the ring? Well, Amy, it's only befitting that you're first. We always appreciate <laughs> all your dedication and uh, friendship. And uh, following Brock's career now, much as you followed mine in the past, apparently. And uh, 
we are very thankful for that. Uh, so you being the first on this episode, you being the first question, that's awesome. Okay, so what was the question again? Buddy, let me tell you, she's got a list of them here. So uh, this is going to be a, a pretty long segment. Who? Uh, what is the biggest thing you miss about performing in the ring? Is there something that uh, you think of first? There are two times, or two occasions that I really miss wrestling. The wrestling end of it. And that's what I loved more than anything. More than, I mean... More than promos, more than going on talk shows, more than being noticed, uh, more than getting a great table at a restaurant. All those positives that go along with being on TV for 40 years. Uh, Two times. When I see something that is done very well and guys go out and they tell a beautiful story, and whether it's a single match or a tag match and Everyone gets over, and most importantly, the match gets over. That's the first time. And when guys are struggling and something goes wrong in the ring, and I know that I could fix it if I was in there. I know what it would take to turn it around. That's the other time. Makes a lot of sense, Arna, especially when you know it up here, and it's just, man, I just wish I could get in there and show them. Or, or yeah. do what I need to do. If they would just do, oh, do this, do this, do this. But obviously you can't do it for them. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. The uh, next question she said, and I, and I really like this question, who is the person or persons that you miss the most in the wrestling business? That's relatively easy, I think. Bobby Eaton. We were so close. We were such friends for such a long time. And we were never not friends, but, you know, when you're, Working for a different company. I mean, for 19 years, I was in the WWE bubble. And that's that was your existence. And uh, I didn't get to see Bobby and visit with him nearly enough. And uh, we went through such a long period of time becoming like brothers. Then I went through that period of not seeing him. We moved out of the neighborhood where they lived one street over. We moved here on the other edge of town, and it you know, was not that far, really no excuse, but our schedules were just totally different. And uh, 
he's one of the best human beings I've ever met. Probably as nice a human being as there ever has been, and uh, he will be missed. Mm. Without a doubt, Arn, uh, thank you for sharing that. And you're right, you know, we get so busy in our day-to-day lives, and then you get that wake-up call or that person that, you know, has always been special to you does move on and you're like man i just wish i had would have had more time you know Mm -hmm. or not been so busy or not been so caught up with my life my rat race life so uh no thank you for sharing uh she goes on and says would aren't consider working in the office in talent relations or some other area for aew if it did not affect your ability to work with brock no i don't want to be responsible for Anything that's outside of my control, uh, I can help Brock and help teach him what to do, what not to do within reason. I don't want him to be a clone of what I think wrestling should be coming from him. I want him to figure that out, but I can certainly control that. Um, Like I said, I spent probably five or six years working in the office with WCW, and then I was 19 years with WWE. And it just, here's the thing. Don't don't have me have to be responsible for something and not give me any power. Because mm. that's not fair. If you give me the power to run the whole, you know, shooting match, good. And then if we fail... I failed, the talent failed. But uh, if I don't have the authority or the power to say, do this, not how about trying this, do this. And if it don't work, then we'll talk about it when you get back. So I don't want to be in that position any further. Uh, I just want to, whatever time is left for me, until nobody wants to see me hanging around anymore, I just want to spend it just enjoying the business, enjoying AEW, enjoying going to these uh, wrestling events. Tony Hunter is so kind to book for me, these signings. And uh, I just want to I want to do all the things, telling fans like Amy, thank you in person for supporting us all this time and just uh, enjoy the fruits of 40 years in the business. There you go. And, and you're in a, in, a, in a situation or a position in life where you can now do that, right? You've put in your time. You've paid your dues. And now you can pick and choose what you want to do in wrestling. Hey, you know, I got no problem sitting on my going to the gym, get a good sweat, come home, shower, put on some baggy-ass shorts, get on my couch, get some shit bacon in the oven from the missus, and watch the Braves. Or watch college football. Man, I'm in heaven because I never get to do it. I never got to do it for 20 years. I missed everything. Yeah. And I mean everything. I don't want to miss anything else. If there's anything scheduled that even remotely would be fun, I want to do it. There you go. Speaking of uh, Brock, Amy wants to know when we'll get to see more of Brock and Pillman teaming together as the second generation horsemen. She thinks they have chemistry for days. Well, we keep hearing that, and, you know, it's it's it was one of those things that 
at StarCast, though they were put in that position as partners just to go back and relive the Crockett days as kind of a symbol. And apparently it, it jailed pretty good. I think a lot of people have been very kind in their comments and said they would like to see more of these guys. And it's let me just put it to you this way. It's something that has been discussed. Nothing is on paper. Nothing has went to the next level. But, it, you know, hey, what if? It's There's another one of those what ifs. Go. Yeah. All right, last question from Amy. Since you've been walking through your career month by month and event by event on the podcast, what are some of your thoughts of comparing the business of today to the business, uh, you know, as a wrestler? Biggest regrets, biggest moments. Do you wish the business was still more kayfabe? Do you think people talk too much on social media, eliminating some of the magic and mystique? I think social media is a positive for people that know how to use it properly and get the word out about events and things that should be talked about and fans should have a uh, opinion on and their opinion should be valued. I don't think people that go on um, social media should run our business and have so much influence that the people in charge look at that and go, oh, God, you know, you should have saw what happened on Twitter and it blew up and what if. And Because a lot of people will just go on there and just say, hey, I'm talking with WWE for an example. You yeah. know, they never talk to WWE, but you can't arrest them. You can't address it. It's just once it's out there, it's out there. And too many people take, what is it called, clickbait? Yeah, clickbait. I'm learning. I'm learning the, the <laughs> language. You know, it's all bullshit. But people use it to control their, you know, the business and do it as just a plaything instead of a vehicle to get the word out. And hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be there. Yeah. And pr- promote promote our business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next up is Brad Stanton, and uh, always good to hear from Brad. He said, hey, uh, "Wants to know if you believe the Spinebuster at WrestleMania 17." was the biggest pop of your career. Was that with The Undertaker? Yes, yes. For sure. All right, there you go. There's not a lot of instances that Undertaker was put in that as a fan, I was looking at that and I went, damn, he's going to get peaked. That's it. Because he's The Undertaker, and he kicks out of everything, and as well he should. But that was painted so craftily. I think that's the word, craftily. (laughs) Um, It was done so well with me being able to just appear, as it seemed. And it was so well done. I think when I rolled out, those people, when I rolled out of the ring, the pot was still going. They thought that was it. Ric Flair and Arn Anderson are going to beat The Undertaker. And that's what made it so good for me. It was like a sustained, holy shit, no, they're they're actually going to pull this off. And you don't see that very often with The Undertaker. No. It's uh, it's funny because the very next question that we have from somebody is Jeremy Priest. And his question is exactly about that specific event again. He asks, on a scale of 1 to 10... How jacked were you when you drove Undertaker's ass to the mat? Reason I'm asking is because I just rewatched it and I and I, and I loved it and I was just curious how just 
pumped and jacked were you when that happened? You have no idea. <laughs> it's as good as it gets. The uh, the event was as good as it gets. The opponent was as good as it gets. The reaction from the fans was as good as it gets. And it was just, it's one of those surreal moments that everybody that's been in the business and has paid their dues and has worked hard and protected the business and, you know, and, and missed out on all the things. I look at that as a reward for all those birthdays I missed, all those, you know, events I didn't get to go to, senior night, my son out on the football field, you know, it's mom having to go out with him instead of his dad and all the, all those things that we missed. Mm. Uh, that was kind of a reward because that's why I do it. I don't know why other guys do it, but if you stay in the business even 10 years, 8 to 10 years, you had a hell of a career. 40 years I'm still in, and at that point in time I was probably... Oh, I don't know, what, 15 years in, 18, 20, yeah. maybe, maybe 20 years in. And I looked at it, you know, there's a feeling that you, it's unlike any other. I mean, you like, you go to the ring with a maestro stick and you wave it and people do what you, you're directing them to do. And, and that was big time, times 10. And, uh, Something you'll never forget. All right. Well, listen, Drew Landry is up next. He says, he and he has a couple questions for you. From what I understand, which could be wrong, if guys were programmed to wrestle in a big event, they would wrestle against each other at house shows and live events. To the best of your knowledge, is that still happening? If not, why? And do you think something like that should return? Um, I'm sure it's happening with WWE. They, they like to have dry, you know, dry runs which I think are good and bad. You know, if you're one of those people that that saw that match and then let's just say they were 150 miles away the next day and you went and you saw it again and maybe two weeks later they were 200 miles away and you drove and you saw that same match, that's just making the loop getting ready for a pay-per-view or a big show. Now you've seen it three times. It's not going to have the luster as if you're seeing it for the first time. And that's the reality. But with guys that have limited experience, have not been wrestling that long, and asking our fans to pay a certain price, you know, for a pay-per-view event, you want it to be as good as you can. So that's the reason for giving the dress rehearsals. Not an, it's not an issue with AEW because there's no house shows. Everything is pretty much a, you're running into a one-off. Yeah, and I think, the, and you said guys with experience, but if you had, at least for the guys and gals that maybe don't have as much experience nowadays and there's not that house show option, sometimes when they're pushed straight to TV, you're like, oh, man, if those two you know, talents could have worked together, at a few house shows together or had the opportunity uh, for some of that, mm, it could have it come off so much better. Um, and I think that, you know, at live events and things like that, that was kind of a, a perk to it in preparation for a pay-per-view or for a TV show. Having had that familiarity and having worked those spots maybe a few different ways and, you know, know where they could go. And, and I don't know, I feel like 
in some cases on TV now where you, you know, the big term is botch. You have some of that because there's not a lot of that house show kind of practice, if you will. And I hate to say that word. Well, it's unfamiliarity. You yeah. Know, you, you don't get to go in and test it out. It's, it's a double-edged sword. I'm not, I'm not going to be a guy that says start adding a bunch of house shows because, to be honest with you, I'm enjoying the schedule. <laughs> Absolutely. I get and it. And I'm a little selfish about that. But, you know, yeah. guys work out things, to, you know, during, whether it's during the day or even sitting in the locker room talking about stuff. And some, I guess, make arrangements to, to go somewhere on their off days and get together go. a time for two. You know, there's ways to do it if you truly want to be the best at what you do. That's you up go. to you. That's up to you. It's up to your want to sacrifice your free time to to make it as good as you can. And, and I love that approach because it's always like, hey, you know, well, here's the problem. Okay, well, then here's the solution. So instead, of, since there's not, let's figure out, let's get into the gym ourselves. Or, hey, I'll see you there on a Saturday and let's go through it. And let's, let's practice, let's get our hands on each other. So uh, Drew said, also says uh, he wants to know, at what point did you know that the Pizza Man and Ric Flair were at an impasse? So at what point did you know, hey, Jim Hurd and Flair, it's just, it's not going to work. It's not good. They're at an impasse. This relationship is for the birds. Well, I saw how much authority he had when I walked in his office to sign my contract. And uh, I got the bomb dropped on me that they weren't going to hire Tully. In his professional opinion, I was not worth as much as Tully and I were worth as a team. So he was cutting my money a substantial amount over a three-year contract. And uh, Rick, who had brokered the deal, was not in a position to uh, do anything about it. We just had to eat it. And I figured out right then... That's kind of the way I'm viewed. That's, you know, I'm never going to feel the same way about Jim Hurd again, but I'm stuck. What I mean, there was two places to work. I just turned in my notice and left one. I was at the other. Leave and go where? Yeah. You know, it was one, one, one of those feelings, and he was just, the more I talked to him and, and the more stupid things that he proposed, and you would, you would hear it. You know, you'd get to TV and you'd see something, you know, like, whose idea was that? Well, whose idea could it have been? I mean, it would, they were going to put it on TV and, you know, without any test and to see if it worked or whatever. And it was Jim Hurd. He was the boss. Mm. Not a lot of, I don't have a lot of time or a lot of uh, respect for that guy. Yeah. He came into our business and he... uh he hurt us more than he helped us. There you go. And uh, that's been well documented. Uh, Terrell Lewis wants to know, was there even a flicker of a conversation about Flair and Wyndham leaving with Arn and Tully when they left Jim Crockett promotions for the WWF? Um, I wonder if he means amongst us. Yeah, did you were you hearing the same when the time around when you two left? Were you starting? Were Nature Boy and Barry? Were there any conversations with those two as far as hey, you guys are out of here? We need to get out of here too. Well, you know what? There was there was times in the car or traveling, or 
sitting in the bar drinking where Tully would, you know, who had really gotten the shaft, you know, getting taken off the private plane and all those things. It started happening to him first, and, you know, I threw my, you know, two cents worth in there and said, well, hey, you know, it's I'm not happy either, and, you know, here's my reasons, and, you know, maybe time to go. And Rick, I'm sure, threw in, well, hell, we'll just all go. But I'm sure he didn't mean it because he was making a fortune. It was a big difference, you know, from what we were making and what he was making, and, and well-deserved. He's worth more at the time than we were. But it was uh, it's one of those situations that, you know, I'm sure, I don't think Barry ever pitched in there. I think he was happy right, right where he was and doing what he was doing. And I don't think anybody believed we were going to leave. Because yeah. thing, things were still good. I mean, we're riding around on private planes. We're still making good money. We had just shot the, the angle with the Midnight Express. and business had popped. There was really no reason, if you were going to sit down and analyze it, that somebody would say, oh, no, they're going. I can see they're going. Uh, but timing is everything in this business, and... Uh, you know, the time came and, you know, things continued to happen and I saw that it wasn't going to get any better. And I've always said, I don't want to be anywhere that I'm not wanted. Yeah. And I mean it, you know, any, all you got to do is tell me, I don't want you with our company anymore and I'll go. See ya. Gone. Yeah. You ain't going to hurt my feelings. Yeah. No. And, uh, and and listen, Terrell asked another question, which I think is kind of fun. And so I can't wait to see what you say here. Arn, I know you guys were good friends beyond the business, but were you ever jealous of Randy Pee Wee Anderson's luxurious hair? <laughs> <laughs> no, because he had that whiskey nose stuck right below it. <laughs> Any chance he got at being a handsome man because he had a good head full of hair? Went away when you looked at that whiskey nose. The whiskey nose. There you go. But, man, he had that mullet working for him. That uh, It was kind of a curly cue style mullet, you know, nice and tight. Yeah, it sat up there high, too, didn't it? It did. It did. So, Pee Wee Anderson. Man, so we were good friends for a long time. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, Trell, no, nope, not at all. Not at all jealous of it. Not worth it. There you go. Chuck Scum is up next. That's that's where we're going here. Scum, S C U M M. How I don't know how else you'd pronounce that. Two M's. Two yeah, M's. Definite scum. He said, "Was there ever any talk to add the original big sexy Norman to the Four Horsemen?" I'm I'm assuming he's meaning Norman the Lunatic, maybe. Or why wasn't Norman added to the Dudes with Attitude group? Has to be Norman the Lunatic. Either one would have been amazing with Arn and Norman tag team or classic matches against Arn and Ric Flair. Norman should have had a way bigger run. There's always <laughs> there's always a time in the business to say uh, no. You have to know when that time is and be 100% sure. Had they pitched Norman being my partner and being the latest horseman, Believe I'd have had to hit him with a no. 
So, so there would have been, you're not into like the lunatics with Arn and Norman? No, 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 no. You wouldn't no. want to wear the green medical get a lot of scrubs? People, a lot of people think I'm a lunatic and have acted that way more than once. I'm not going to take it on as a full-blown gimmick. No Could you imagine you. Arn in the scrubs with Norman? I mean, come on now. That's 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 some hilarious shit right there. The, you like this, don't you? You like this, Chris. Oh, I do. There's some fun questions in here. We're not even there. There's one Jesus, I Jesus, guys. <laughs> oh, we're, not, we're just getting started. I'm already kicked in the nuts. I love it. This is It's just going to get better. And uh, so Chuck... Nope, sorry. He, you know, and he mentions that classic match that could have been Arn and Norman against, you know, with against Ric Flair. So, I got pretty good, you know, during the course of my career at making guys look better than they were. Don't know if I could have pulled that one off. <laughs> that would have been a monumental task. I am not David Copperfield. I may be a magician, but I'm not Dave Copperfield. <laughs> It said Dave Copperfield. All right, on Frank Falls is up next, and we'll try to uh, move on from Norman. He says, is digging uh, way deep here with Double A. He wrote, I watched you back in the day at Rock Hill and Spartanburg. I met you in Clover, South Carolina, a few months back. Were there any small arenas, armories, high schools, or community centers that you enjoyed going to? Ones where there might be 2,000 people or under, but it was packed and the crowds were hot. I'm looking to see if there's any small towns on the road you could put over. Thanks for making my life better and bringing joy to my childhood. Well, you're welcome, and thanks for allowing me to do that, because without fans, we don't have a business. Any of those spot shows that were around Charlotte at the time, now when we started branching out, you got to remember, once you go from walking out of your house, getting in your car, driving 100 miles or 150 or less each way. When you start going from there to going to airports and getting on planes and flying places, the business travel schedule looks totally different. So any of those, I mean, colleges, Limestone College, Spartanburg, Shelby, Hillsville, Virginia, you know, any small place that you could think about, Sumter, South Carolina, just little towns, Florence, you know, towns that weren't on the regular, you know, big city, big venue, anyone you could think of. Uh, Rock Hill, you know, all those small places that, that were 2,000 people in a high school gym can get very, very loud. And uh, anytime you can drive to a town and come back without having to sleep in a hotel, you learn to really think a lot of that respect it appreciate it don't take it for granted uh wouldn't matter that the other guys when we're running two towns a night that that they were in uh somewhere that had six thousand people because it would have been a bigger card a bigger crowd a lot of those small venues and when we would run like marine armories and things of that nature it'd be a single main event and if you were in that main event you had made a nice little payday and you didn't have to go to the airport, spend the night, go to the airport again, yeah. that type of stuff. Because it's completely different travel when you have to do all that stuff. All right, Michael McClanahan is up next, not to be outdone by the First Lady. He has a couple of questions for the Enforcer, too, uh, our buddy Michael. He says, "Which what is one aspect of the traditional territory system you believe would work well in the modern-day environment? 
So is there anything that you can pull from an aspect or uh, you know, anything from the old territory days that you think, hey, I think that would still work in today's wrestling world? Uh, I think you could have a satellite territory that was part of a bigger company. Um, you could have a center point to where you could have a crew of guys. You would have to be willing to lose some money before you ever made a dime and treat it like a triple-A, you know, uh, team for wrestling. Let's just say if you you put a... Uh, say Tony Khan decided, okay, I need to get these guys wrestling four nights a week. Let's uh, let's move. Let's put a crew in Charlotte, and we can run all those towns that were are within a hundred miles of Charlotte. But you would have to take money from the AEW that's yeah. making money yeah, and filter it down. Yeah. You'd have to filter it down to those guys because they got to live. If they're spending every day learning the business, then you have to pay them. You got to make let them make a living. Uh, it's the same that WWE does when they they hire guys and they bring them down to Orlando and they have to get an apartment and go through the whole the whole system. NXT, down yeah. NXT, yeah. I mean, that will always work, and that. You know, getting those reps in are always a good thing. Getting to wrestle four or five nights a week, guys were, that had aptitude and attitude, guys and girls for this business, you would see get better. Oh, yeah. Weekly. It's just like got to be anything else in life. The more you do it, the more practice you get, the better you are. And uh, The oldest cliche in the world is what? Practice makes perfect. There you go. And it, uh, It's true. Yep. He says, uh, Michael goes on and says, is there anything about your training or the way you broke into the business that you would change if you had had the opportunity? If you had the opportunity, is there anything you would change about the way you trained or broke into the business? No, because I paid dues. I lived, I made just enough to live every week. Didn't save a dime. Was smart enough because Tim Horner grabbed me when he first we first met and got comfortable and let me move in with him and, and you know, kind of taught me about, hey, pay your taxes. Don't ever get the tax man after you and all this stuff. You know, all the, the, the smart conversations, save your money. You just never know. You get hurt, you're not going to make a dime. You don't get paid if you get hurt. That's why you don't do stupid shit. Yeah. Because when you've got to sit home and not work, you're not going to get paid and you'll starve to death. That's the way the business is. This is, uh, this is a fun question. And in the second part of the question, we talked a little bit about with uh, The Undertaker. But he goes on to say, how critical is crowd buy-in and involvement when structuring a match? Are there any specific crowd reactions that stand out from your time, either as a wrestler or as an agent? So how critical is crowd buy-in and involvement when structuring a match? Well, your ability to – you don't – you don't look at uh, in a crystal ball and go, we'll do this because they're going to pop. You don't work for pops. You work for storytelling. And you go to the ring, and you have a short story, and you have X amount of minutes to tell that story. Um, what you do have to have, if you're going to get to the top level, 
is something about you has to connect with the audience. They have to dislike you, like you, love you, have something about you that they appreciate or don't appreciate. You can look like a million dollars. You can be athletic as hell. You can be handsome. And if you don't connect with the audience for whatever other little ingredient they're looking for, you're destined to fail. Because sitting there in silence when guys are bouncing around the ring and sometimes doing some very, very good stuff that makes perfect sense, you sit there as an audience member and you go, God, nobody... Nobody's reacting to this. This must really suck. Even though you didn't initially think it sucked. You look around and it's like, wow. And yet the audience almost hypnotizes themselves. Yeah. And you can have two guys go out that aren't very good, but they have connected with the audience at some point. Uh, you know, let's just say, let's say Jimmy Valiant, for example. People love him. He didn't have to do much. He was certainly not a great athlete. You know, he wasn't taking big bumps. He wasn't, you know, doing a lot of risky things. People loved him. That's right. And when his music hit, he could come to the ring and you could do some stuff that was not good. The boy from New York City. And when it was all done and he was going back through the curtain, you're sitting there going, well, shit, that was fun. That was great. <laughs> A charisma, man. He had charisma and fan engagement, crowd engagement. Loved it. Yep, and he connected. That's it. I had a. Uh, I was listening. I was. <clears throat> I think it was on uh, Jarrett's podcast. He was talking about how his dad used to book Jimmy Valiant, and he would say, "Hey, listen, just keep playing the song as loud as the crowd into it. Let him dance. <laughs> what about the length of his match? Who cares about that? Just let the entrance go as long as the the crowd's into it, and the match can be, you know, just whatever. Two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. Sure. There you, go. you bet. Arn, speaking of involvement, speaking of structuring a match, fellas, you know what's critical to your happiness and the happiness of your partner. Yes, a penis. And one that is in good working order, if you will. And if you guys have been following the Arn Show long, you know that we're all here to talk about our friends over at Blue Chew and the confidence they're giving men all over the world. Isn't that right, Arn? Did you say penis? I did say penis because... Can you say penis on you, this? We can say penis. Penis is the real scientific word for that organ. Well, damn. <laughs> well, then, we got a solution for putting some lead in thy pencil. There you go. There Run you go. with it. Run with it, because I know this is your favorite set. Oh, and boy, it'll be a number two, that dark lead. It's that blue chew, and blue chew's going to take care of a, your pencil... And uh, listen, it's making people's lead hard all around this world. Check it out, bluechew.com. You can sign up there. The process is simple. You can consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, boom, you'll have that prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. And if you don't want to swallow pills, they have it in chewable form, too. And whether you're dealing with some performance anxiety or maybe you just want to last longer, okay, maybe you want that smile on your significant other's face just to get a little wider, a little longer, Blue Chew is for you. So check it out. Go to BlueChew.com, and you can try it for free right now when you use our promo code ARN. That's right. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code ARN, to receive your first month free. 
Go to bluechew.com for more details and safety info and turn that lead pencil into a number two nice hard wood ready to go, ready to take care of that homework that you might have in the bedroom, if you know what I mean. Arn, thank you for that. Um, you know, I almost get a little bit embarrassed you're enjoying that so much. And let's don't forget, compare it to the competitor price-wise. Yeah. You can't well, get it. Yeah, that's true. Wow. That's right. Big difference. So th- this is the play, no doubt about it. Arn, we're going to stay on that same kind of thought line here. And uh, so this will be fun. The research guy has a question. He wants to know where you stand on scissoring as a ma- as a means of greeting someone in lieu of a traditional handshake, fist bump, or high five. And if in your 40 years in the wrestling business you ever thought that scissor me daddy ass would be over to the point that the shirt is number one seller for three consecutive weeks on AEWshop.com. Arn, where do you stand on scissoring and scissor me daddy ass? Well, I guess when Billy Gunn went on board... <sighs> All us old bastards that had to go, I don't get that. I don't, <laughs> had to relent and just go, hey, it's working. I don't oh. know what it. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't want to know what it means. Yes, you do. Come on. No, I don't. <laughs> no. But if, at, at Billy Gunn, at two hundred and seventy pounds of muscle, decides yeah. that it's a cool thing. Who am I to argue? As uh, Corey Graves say, he's in the office supplies now. That was a, a line that uh, they had a DX reunion a couple of weeks ago on Raw. And so all the DX members are, at, are out except Billy Gunn, Arn. And so Corey Graves on commentary says, yeah, I think the missing member, he's out involved with office supplies now. Well, get it, scissors. So it's the Got whole it. scissor me, Donnie yes. ass. So, um, so then on AEW, on Dynamite, Taz is talking about, man, Billy Gunn's made out of granite. And he's like, well, of course you're going to be when you're moving all that office furniture around. (laughs) So, you know, they're having a little fun on commentary back and forth. But, uh, man, scissor me daddy ass is over. It's taken over AEW audience, the acclaimed. And so, uh, yeah, this research guy wanted to find out. The research guy has so many acclaimed T-shirts. I'm going to call him out right here. It's, It's out of control. It's uh, he's all into the scissoring. He's into scissoring, daddy ass. He's there's just the scissoring is just out of control. Well, they're entertaining. They're a good team. You know, you know they're good they looking are. young, good looking young athletes. What's really not to like? They're entertaining. Yeah, and like you said, it's just hard to. It just you know, in all your years of of, of wrestling, here we are with scissor me, daddy ass being chanted all around the country. I do say this. I mean, I have a few things that I say to people get sick of it. Like, there's a time to say no. You know what I mean? I also say, guys, take some chances because you never know what's going to get over. That's right. You don't. You don't. You never know what the crowd's going to pick up on and run with. Six months ago, would we have been saying that scissor thing was over? (laughs) The scissor thing. No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I know. Over and, what was the over and under on that? You know? Yeah, I know. But, man, it has gone viral. It's all over social. They're best-selling T-shirts. And so there you go. Ah, scissor me, daddy ass. All right. Brian Haram says up next. And this is a conversation that we've already had on the show. But, it, again, you can tell people are thinking about it. Arn, do you feel the younger talent in AEW would benefit from running house shows? Or should they be allowed to do more indie work to get reps in? 
Well, if you do the indie work and you're in control of your match and you use that live audience that they have, because, you know, I'm finding out Brock and I are doing some indie stuff and some of the better promotions, they got a pretty damn good setup and they have a good crowd. And, you know, you jam five, seven, nine hundred people in a building that really want to be there that are following this independent promotion almost like they did in the old days and you see that you know some different places it's a good rep to get it really is to get in there and, and work in front of that crowd and and uh, if they're ran professionally and, and with some guys that have experience and just haven't caught a break yet it's a good opportunity for young guys and uh, you know they do dark and elevation which uh, I know is YouTube only and uh I think, too, uh, that's a good opportunity for guys to get some more work into on those shows. Oh, it's great. And, yeah. hey, it, it's, the, it's the same no, audience that you have for Dynamite, right, or Rampage. Yeah. It just happens before or after the show. Yeah, unless they'll do, and, and every once in a while, I know they were, uh, what, going down to Orlando and doing some tapings down there? Yeah, they go down there and shoot, you know, 40 matches. So there you go. So, Arn, yes. uh, it's reps. It's it reps. Is. It's all about reps, which you've talked about. Uh, Devin Dowling, uh, friend of the show, writes in and says, "Hello, Mr. Anderson. Have you worked with the uh, Carrie Morton at all? And do you have any stories about him or his siblings when they were younger?" No. Uh, the only match that we've had is uh, Starcast. Okay. And uh, you know, he seemed like a very smart, respectful young man. I don't know if you're Ricky Morton's kid, how you don't just learn certain things by osmosis, just yeah. growing up in the house with him. And uh, he's doing well. He's coming along nicely. And uh, that's the only experience I've had, that one day there together. All right. Well, Arn, you told us a couple of weeks ago that Eleganti was a stiff in and outside of the ring, slow, plodding, unenergetic. Un just a stiff. And to our faithful listeners, that's the last thing we want for any of you is to be slow, plodding, lack energy. That's why Arn and I have begun using Athletic Greens. Isn't that right, Arn? Good call. Yeah. Hey, get you a little cold water. Mix it up. It, does, it tastes fine. You know, I tell you what I do just to cheat a little bit. I take my pre-workout and the Athletic Greens. I stir it up in one little cup. Get it all rocked in there together. Dixie cup full of, hot, of ice water, and I'm ready to go in about 30 minutes. Oh, there you go, man. That sounds good. Listen, 75 vitamins and minerals in one scoop. You're not going to find that anywhere else. It's a slam dunk. You're going to sleep better. Your gut's going to feel better. Okay, no sour belly or any issues like that. And listen, less than three bucks a day, and it's completely worth the investment. It's received 7,005 uh, five-star reviews. So right now, reclaim your health. Let's get back to it, guys. Let's get ourselves nice and healthy for the holidays, because this is the time we usually like to fatten up in the winter and uh, enjoy all those pies we were talking about at the start of the show, all that Thanksgiving food. But you can at least try to be healthy and get all those vitamins and minerals you need. So to make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash ARN. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash ARN to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 7,000 people can't be wrong. 
There you go. That's right. That's a lot of people. Yep. Arn, friend of the show and super fan of Taz, Mr. Yambag Jones, has a couple of questions. He wants to know if the horsemen were rivers at all or if you guys were too good for that. No, we just were working too hard every day and trying to figure out how to draw money to worry about the ribbon. That was for guys a little farther down the card who had a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> there you go. We're too busy uh, running the company. Yeah, making money for the company. Uh, Bingo. Ad- yeah. Additionally, Yambag asked if you had the crystal ball to change one match in the history of the business, what would it be? Here's a couple of, uh, of, of options. Sting Hogan, Starcade 97. Maybe Montreal with Brett and Sean. Maybe the streak ending with Taker losing to Brock. Or maybe it's something else. If you had a crystal ball and maybe you could change something up, uh, you're in charge here, Arn. You can do whatever you want. Well, irregardless of the fact that Brock Lesnar is an absolute beast, probably the beast of all time, Undertaker should still be riding the undefeated streak. No reason to have beat him. It did not make Brock a bigger star. It was one of those things that you could have figured out what the cutoff point was. Hey, if Taker was 25-0, and 0, it's something that would stand for through infamy, and it should. He should never have been beat at WrestleMania. There's no reason for it. I don't, I don't know what the argument would be. Yep, yep. Absolutely agree. Undertaker uh, should have been able to walk into the Hall of Fame and say, I've never been beaten at WrestleMania. That, that should have been his. 100%. Uh, he, earned, he earned that. He did. He did, without question, uh, as our buddy Tony Schiavone likes to say. Finally, Yambag wants to tell us a good story about your time around and interacting with Elegante. <laughs> they want to know, was there ever a good story, or do you have anything about your time with, uh, with uh, the big man, the eight-footer? Well, yeah. I mean, one of the first times, if not the first time, we were in the ring. Uh, I don't know if Rick planned it to end up this way or if it just did, but he's in there with Elegante, and uh, he did something where he dipped in behind him and chopped him between the shoulder blades hard, and he rolled over. Now, this guy's eight foot tall. He's a friggin' giant. He should be able to take that chop, right? No big deal. Absolutely. But anyway, Rick chopped him, ran across the ring, tagged me. I didn't know, but the but he hurt him. I mean, it, it was like hurt him, hurt him. Not injured him, but hurt him and pissed him off like short of crying, grown man crying, hurt him. <laughs> so I stepped through the ropes. It took about two steps, and, man, he clotheslined me. It was the only time he ever did anything that really fit the business, that belonged in the business, that was credible, believable. Sure. Because he was mad. He was trying to kill me. He clotheslined me, and I swear to God, I, th- I thought he broke my neck that time. So I rolled over, and I think I tagged Barry or something. Man, I was feeling for stuff. It was like, holy shit. So we get back to the locker room. I'm hot. You know, I come up to him and I go, hey, man, what the 
fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. You know, he said, Rick Flair hurt me. I said, well, hit clothesline him. Yeah, not you. Not me. I didn't do it. And he just walked off mumbling some shit in Spanish. But, man, I, <laughs> I was ready to ball bat his ass. I ain't kidding you. Yeah, I bet. Uh, that was uh, as close as I ever wanted to get to Elegante. Oh, I mean, well, that he, explains a lot. He had something in the genetics that made him eight foot tall. It just took that to bring it out in him. Yeah, exactly. Arn, we're going to go two more questions, and then what we're going to do is the rest of these questions for Ask Arn, we're going bonus overtime for our ad-free show only. It's going to be our bonus episode for the month of October. We're going to ask the rest of the questions on this month's bonus episode. You and I, we're going to stick together and we'll do the rest of the questions. So here's two more, and then the rest are going to ad-free show members. Come on, you can sign up there nice and easy if you're not a member and, and listen to the rest of these. Uh, this one's from my very dear, close, longtime personal friend, Efren Blackjack, and he wants to know if you have any good stories about Joey Morella. Efren Blackjack. Oh, Efren, my dear, close personal friend, who, by the way, does a phenomenal... Uh, game show, the game event on ad free shows. He's the host. He tore it down at Top Guy Weekend, was the talk of the weekend, hosted a live game show. But he is a uh, blackjack dealer, so he goes by Efren Blackjack. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was crowding in on Mulligan's gimmick or Lanza's Lanza's gimmick. Jack Mulligan. There was a third blackjack. We can go with that. I love it. We'll get him a cowboy hat and spurs. Oh yeah. Assless chaps, he'd be into that. So uh what do you say though? Any any good stuff? Joey Morella? Yeah. No, not really. Uh not really. I wasn't around him other than at work. Okay. I, I know he did a, a great Brooklyn Brawler imitation. Gotcha. And you got to know how Steve Brawler, yeah. how Steve speaks. Okay. To, for that to be funny, if you've never okay. heard him talk. Not really. That's you got a second one, Blackjack. Uh, yeah, we do. He says that he also heard you at a grand time appearing with Brock for Central States Wrestling in August, and wants you to tell us all about it. Oh yeah, uh, that would be out in uh, outside Kansas City. That's just, correct. Just about this much. Mm-hmm. And they have a very well-promoted, very well-run show. Couldn't tell you the guy that I work for's name, but he's a former wrestler. And uh, and they film it, and I guess it's on some platform, streaming sure. or something else. But they run pretty regularly. And uh, Brock was partners with uh, Ace, who was a... Producer for uh, WWE and for AEW for a time. Uh, don't know if he's still part of the company. I'm not sure that's been decided. Gotcha. Uh, d- d- I can't get into any of that. That's yep, none of my totally business honest. anyway. Yep, yep, yep. But he made a great partner for Brock that night, and the two guys they wrestled had some experience. They were both more experienced than Brock, which. Okay. It, you know, he that's how you learn. Brock held his end up, did a great job. They were very generous in the match and it was a uh it was a nice in on Saturday, out on Sunday morning shot. I enjoyed myself very much. 
And you would say for Central States Wrestling, if other wrestlers have an opportunity to work from them, great group to, to work for. Support them, man. If you're a fan, go support them. You'll enjoy the show. It was well done. Hey, and you know, the rules they had, you know, which I, I was sat in on the, the talent meeting before the show. Hey, respect each other, respect the business, respect the audience. You know, we got kids in the audience, so don't go out there and just run amok. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, I, and I don't know how many shows where the guy that's running it, the money man, has that kind of meeting, but man, I, I jumped all over that. I thought that was great. You're impressed. And I watched the show because those guys were on, like, I think they were last. Rock and them were probably last or next to last or something, but uh, I watched most of the show and, and they adhered to it and they told some good stories and some guys got some really good reps that night and learned and I was able to help some guys when they came back through the curtain. If I saw something that could be easily fixed and to see it kind of twinkle in their eye, like, God, I never thought of that. Well, Lauren, here we go, and, I, and I'm glad to hear that because I know uh, Efren's a big fan of that group and has told me some good things about them, so I'm glad you had a great experience. Put I'd, like it, go, I'd like to go back sometime. There you go. Last question of this Ask Lauren Anything. Put it in reverse. Top guy Terry wrote in. In your time in the territories and in the WWF, who were some guys that you would see at the gym and just be in awe of how much weight they could lift? One of the most impressive things I ever saw. Uh, remember Tank Abbott? Yeah. He was with WCW. Yeah. yeah. He came in and uh, for a period there at WCW. And uh, I just happened we were in like South Dakota or somewhere really out of the way. And I went in this hardcore gym and... It's probably the only gym in town, I guess. And, and uh, I walk in there and I see Tank over there. And he's, I can tell he's been working out a little bit. He's already sweating and he's in the mirror. He had 220-pound dumbbells and he was doing hammer curls. 120 pounds. Wow. Now you see That's a heavy... Impressive. You see a heavy bench or something like that. That's that's one thing. That was something else. Now, Rick Steiner, I walk in, Baltimore Golds. He's He's been in there and uh, a little bit. He's got a little sweat going. So I start working out, and I look over, and he's got 365 on the normal flat bench. I went, well, shit, he's going to bang out a couple, three reps there, I'm sure. And Rick Steiner was hoss, buddy, when he was in his prime. Well, he don't lay down on the bench. He sits down and ducks under it, and now he's doing behind the necks with 365 mm. for like eight reps. If you know anything about working out, that's preposterous. He's sitting there, boom, boom, boom. And if you think about it, go back and look at his shoulders. Yeah. During that era. Grapefruits. My rotator cuff's just getting sore thinking about it. Yeah. I need to get mine looked at, actually. So there you go. Arn, there you go. Uh, that is 
uh, going to wrap us up for this episode of Ask Arn Anything. We've got a bunch of questions from our loyal fans this week. And that tells me, hey, this is uh, this would be something that we need to start doing more often. Uh, we even have so much more. We're going to make it a bonus show for ad-free shows. But I love the fan interaction. What did you think? Yeah, and, and hey, guys, this is your show. We're just here to join in, and uh, but it's for the fans. That's right. And uh, it's your show. When you when we do these Q and A's, you know, be as creative as you could possibly be, and you know, maybe things that you thought about, but but you think, well, I don't want to ask that. That not be might not be received the right way or whatever. You never know. Do you ask? And, and maybe you're looking for some advice. You know, Arn's been around for a while. He's been a dad. He's he's been in charge of a lot in his life. What would Arn do? You know. W-W-A-D, what would Arn do? I think that would be kind of fun to approach it from that perspective. And maybe you just need some advice on something you're going through. So it could be a wrestling question. Could be, uh, you know, it could be about, you know, what's going on in the business now. Or maybe it's just, hey, Arn, I'm looking for some advice. What say you? Oh, we could make these so much fun. And I know that Arn and I have a good time with it. And uh, we're loving it. So, listen, next week we're going back to discussing Arn's career. It's August 1990 and all the happenings in the life of AA. And, hey, we're going to post for some more questions from from that era, too. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it, Arn. Me too, buddy. All right. Well, listen, on behalf of the enforcer, Arn Anderson, this is Paul Bromwell. We're going to see you right back here next week on Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.